Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. If you didn't see the announcement, we're having chapel service tonight uh, at 6 o'clock. And if you've not been to one, let me encourage you to think about that. And uh, Chuck O'Shields always brings a great message from God's Word. So I hope that uh, you will consider being a part of that. Um, We're going to be continuing in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the middle of that chapter. But as you know, life life is just a struggle, right? I mean, we just have a hard time with life. And, And we have good times, but we can have rough times. We can have exciting times, but we can also have those struggles that we go through. And according to Scripture, being a Christian actually adds to that struggle. I remember as a kid, one of the things I loved to do was fly a kite. You know, and, and I always liked, I said, okay, I got to make it go further than anybody else's kite. So when I would go and buy that ball of string that would you, you would use to send your kite up, I'd have to buy like 10 of them. And, you know, and then I'm going to tie them all together because I wanted to get the kite up so high that you could barely see it. But then I always kind of regretted it because then it took a long time to get it to come back down. And as you're winding it back up, you start thinking to yourself, do I really want that kite? And, you know, whether I just let it go or not. But here's one of the things you learn about flying a kite is that you learn quickly that the kite rises against the wind. It won't rise with the wind. You need that wind to be against the kite And the more wind it is, then the higher you're able to get that that kite up in the air. Well, that's kind of the way it is in life. Sometimes the things that resist us the most or come at us the most are the very things that allow us to sail very high, to fly high, so to speak, as a believer. That sometimes it's those challenges that really strengthen us and send us to new levels as a believer. Sometimes you, I mean, let's face it. Have you ever wondered why, all right, I'm a Christian now. Why didn't God just make things easy? Right? I mean, he could, correct? Why didn't he just make things easy for us so that we can just um, relax and and enjoy life, and everything goes well, and everything works out the way you want it to work out, and you get along with everybody. Why doesn't God just do that? Well, there's a reason for that, and we're going to walk through some passages to try to figure that out. Um, One person said it this way, sorrow is like rain. It makes roses, and it also makes mud. And that's what sorrow does to us. Sometimes sorrow is the thing that brings out the most beautiful part of our life. But sometimes it's the thing that kind of really messes us up as well. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience. But God shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So in the life of a believer, sometimes God 
allows that struggle to come to us in order for him to show his glory to the world. Not that you're not going through struggle, but how you go through that struggle, how you face that struggle. You see, God's people, it may seem like we have to endure hell here on earth, but that's all the hell that we will ever endure. You ever thought about that? All the struggles I face in this life, it's the only struggles I'll ever face. Because once I go to heaven, that's it. I will face no struggles there. So the, the resistance that I face here, the trials that I face here, it's the only place I'll ever face it is in this life. This past week, we got word from one of our church planters in a country that we're not able to share. Uh, she's actually a female, and she has three children, and they were attacked and beaten in their home. You see, in the culture that she's in, one, being a Christian is dangerous, but being a female is even more dangerous because females are seen as kind of like property. And so to be a female Christian who is sharing Jesus really puts you at risk. And so she and her three children were attacked. They're, they're currently in the hospital and they're recovering. We, we don't know anything else at this point. But for us, no news means good news. But I, I want you to pray specifically for her and pray for her children. Because here, here's what can happen. There's a whole neighborhood of people that she lives with and around. And they're watching intently because they would most likely all be Muslims. And so they're watching how this Christian reacts to such a thing. And why didn't God protect you? And so her greatest testimony is going to be how she reacts even more so than her words. Now, you and I will most likely never face that kind of trial and struggle. But we have our own trials and struggles that we, we deal with. So let's begin reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3 beginning at verse 10. Paul says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. Would you want that to be true about you? Or is that true about you? Do people around you, they know exactly what you believe and they could tell you what your purpose in life is because they watch you live it out? Do the people around you know that? Paul's saying, all right, Timothy, you know, I, I have no secrets. You know exactly what I teach. You know how I live, and you know my purpose in life. Do people know your purpose? Do you live it out in such a way that it's obvious? He, he says, you know my faith. You know my patience. 
you know my love, and you know my endurance. You see, every one of those are descriptive words that people ought to be able to see in you. Your faith, your patience, your love, your endurance. Jeremy, our worship pastor, his wife, Whitney, just, she has one of the sweetest mothers. I remember the first time I met her. She's just one of those saintly kind of women who just always had a smile on her face and always said kind words. And the grandchildren absolutely loved and adore her. And, and Whitney has two other sisters, and the three of them just absolutely loved and adore their mom. And, and then I remember when the diagnosis came that she had ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. And that never ends well. That's when you find out what a person's made of in times like that. And to no surprise, the smile from her mother's face never went away. Her kind words and encouraging words never stopped. In fact, I remember one time, the, probably one of the last times that she was here at church and she was in a wheelchair and I went over to speak to her and she just had nothing but sweet, kind things to say in the midst of all of her stuff. And then when she got to the place, she just really couldn't even hardly speak. The smile never went away and you could just see it in the pictures that were posted whenever they would go and Whitney and the kids would go and visit her. And so I think about her when I think about what Paul was saying and so for Whitney's mom, you could say, yeah, we know your faith, we know your patience, we know your love, and we certainly know your endurance. Would that be true of you? When pressure's on, when things are tough, is that going to be true of you? In fact, would it be okay with you if God chose to allow a suffering in your life for the sole purpose of showing his grace and mercy to the world? Would that be okay with you? I, I mean, certainly Whitney's mom, if she had a preference, she would choose to stay here and watch her grandchildren grow up. But if, if she knew that, God, this is your will for my life, I'm okay with that. I believe that was true for her. She knew that and she was okay with it. So would you be okay if, if God chose to use you to be a witness of him and his strength and his courage in a very difficult situation? Paul went on to say in verse 11, you, you know how much persecution and suffering I ha have endured. And he had endured a lot. He'd been shipwrecked a couple of times, bitten by a poisonous snake that should have killed him. He had been beaten several times, whipped with a, a whip and thrown in and out of prison. And um, he, he had been through a lot. He says, you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and in Iconium and Lystra. 
But the Lord rescued me from all of it. And then Paul went to Rome. And Paul got to Rome and God didn't rescue him that time. Or maybe he did just a different way. Paul faced an executioner's axe. And Paul didn't find a rescue from God in that. But, but Paul understood that. In fact, here's what he said. He said, I, I've come to the end. My, I have run the course. I have completed the race. I have fulfilled my purpose. Just like he said in verse 10, Timothy, you, you know my purpose in life. And, and so when he was facing his execution, he was able to say, I have fulfilled my purpose. So it's okay for me to die. I get to go to heaven now. I, I have run the course that God's laid out for me. It hadn't been fun. It's been difficult. It's been a challenge. There's been hard times. I've learned to go with and without. I've been in tough places. I've been beaten. I should have died several times, but my life's course was not finished yet, and God rescued me. And then God ultimately rescued me. You see, for Paul, that executioner's axe was an ultimate rescue. Where God said, you've completed the course. You've done what I've asked you to do. Now, you get to come and be with me for all eternity. And you get to enjoy being in the family and my kingdom forever. See, that's what you and I have to remind ourselves of quite frequently. We need to remind ourselves when we're going through our challenges and our difficult times that we need to say to ourselves, you know, this is simply on-the-job training. I'm here temporarily. <clears throat> God's making me more and more like Jesus. And he uses really fine sandpaper sometimes and just smooths off a few rough edges. But sometimes he uses a chisel and he knocks off sections of my life. Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's long. Sometimes it's hard and then other times it's harder. Verse 12, Paul says, Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. No exclusion there. If you choose to live, if you don't want to be persecuted, then just live, just live a a baby Christian life. <laughs> but if you want to live a godly life, if you, want to, if you want to make a difference for God's kingdom, he says you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be persecuted. Now, the persecution you and I face are nothing like that church planner and her three kids faced. You and I don't face those kind of things. But we do face different kinds of persecution. We face the kind where we're misunderstood by friends and family members sometimes. We're ridiculed for what we believe and for what we think. And Paul is saying, if you want to live a godly life, you're going to be misunderstood. 
So it was important for Timothy as well, for, as well as for you and me to realize that persecution awaits every one of us who choose to live an extra, or, extraordinary life with Jesus. And, and then Paul says, you know, and, and guess what, Timothy? It's going to get worse. False teaching is going to increase. Evil men and imposters are going to go from bad to worse. They're going to deceive because they're being deceived. So the, the false teaching is just going to increase. And, and what makes it difficult is a lot of times they're disguised as, quote, a Christian preacher or a Christian teacher. If you read a, a, a book by a Christian author and you find very few scripture references in that book, you probably need to just throw it aside. But if that book tells you how they have taken scripture and applied it to their lives, then yeah, be inspired by that. But if they just sprinkle a few verses here and there and then just tell stories and their opinions and all that stuff, I don't know if that's worth much. I want to see how somebody has applied scripture to their life. I want to hear those stories. Here's what Jesus said. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as long as as you, uh, as one of its own, if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so therefore it hates you. Do you remember when I, what I told you? A slave is not greater than, a, than the master. And since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. You know, when somebody rejects Christ in you, when somebody rejects you because of your faith, you got to remind yourself, you know what? They're not really rejecting me. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting the Lord. I feel sorry for them. You see, if I make it all about me, then I'll say, oh, they're being mean to me and they're rejecting me and that doesn't feel good. I don't like that. But you got to put it in the proper perspective. They're rejecting Jesus in you. Well, that changes the story. And Jesus said, remember, if they reject you, they're actually rejecting God. And that's when I can back up and say, wow, I feel for them. They're going to pay with their lives, their eternal souls, for rejecting God. You know, when you're dealing with sorrow, when you're dealing with rejection... When you're dealing with struggles, it might help you to remember this. You're actually standing on holy ground. Now, here's why I say that. I believe God's closest to someone who has a broken heart. When you struggle, I think that's when Jesus is the closest to you. 
when, when you are struggling for doing what is right, I, I think what, that's when the Holy Spirit is even more so in your life. And, and so with the presence of the Holy Trinity there in your life, you're on holy ground in that suffering. I mean, I can only imagine in that cell the night before Paul had his head separated from his body. I can only imagine the sweetness in that dark cell, that dark, damp cell that was actually lit up with the glory of God. And the presence that Paul felt. Maybe Jesus was just sitting there with him and say, well done. It's all going to be over soon. And then you're going to come home with me. I've not abandoned you. I'm right here with you. I've got a much better life for you. I've got a new body waiting for you. You have finished the race. You know, I think that's true for every believer who has sought to live for the Lord. I think that's true at every deathbed. I think there's a holy ground moment. Maybe the people in the room are totally unaware of it, but I think the one who's about to step into heaven they're fully aware of it. The presence of Jesus, that's holy. Verse 13, Paul said, but evil people and imposters will flourish. Evil people, those who, <laughs> they just do evil and they don't care about it. They, in fact, brag about it. Other scriptures, they will say that they love to make up new types of evils. I mean, they just love to find ways to do evil. And then they're the imposters. They're those who pretend like they're good, but they're not. They're the ones that want to pretend like they're holy or special, and they're not. And they're just, they're false teachers, and they're using the church for their own personal gain, and they're using the church for wealth, and they're using the church for personal recognition, and they're an imposter. And the Bible says they're going to flourish. Because, you know, let's face it, there are times when I want to go, why doesn't God do something about that? Why doesn't God do something about that false teacher? Well, guess what? He, he will. And that's his business, not yours and mine. He says those imposters, they will flourish. They will, they will deceive others. And they themselves will be deceived. Hmm. So the imposters don't even know that they're imposters. They have been deceived by the master deceiver himself. And Paul says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You see, Timothy was taught by his grandmother and his mother. And the Jewish custom, 
they would have been taught at home by the mother until they were five, and then the father would take over the educational process, and then they would <coughs> reach a point probably around uh, 12 or so that they would then be taught by the synagogue. And Timothy was one of those individuals he was taught as a young age by his mother and grandmother. He says, you have been taught Holy Scripture from childhood, and they had given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. You know, you have basically two sources, two sources to draw from. You have Scripture and you have the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to seal us, seal us for the day of our salvation. And that's why he gives us Scripture to teach us. So those are our two sources. And we need to become very familiar with who, who the Holy Spirit is. <clears throat> In fact, when we get into the new year, we're going to do a whole series on the Spirit. And I'm, ex I'm so excited about that when we do that. And you, and you need to become familiar with God's Word. In fact, Paul says in verse 16, all Scripture is inspired. It's inspired by God and is useful it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So it's a measuring tool. It teaches us what is true about life. We recognize lies because we know the truth. We recognize the lies when we hear them because we know what the truth is. When I do not know God's word, I am a setup for Satan every time. If you don't know God's word, then you cannot discern false doctrine when you hear it. When you know God's word and you hear some self-proclaimed preacher and he's teaching some feel-good theology that is not in scripture, in your heart you're going, wait a minute, what he's saying, I don't know why, but I just know that's not right. Because you have filled yourself with God's word and you have filled yourself with God's spirit. That's why that's so important, so that you can test the spirits. And when you hear false doctrine, you recognize it. When you hear a lie, you know it's a lie. This is all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong, <clears throat> including in our own lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. So it tells us at the same time, that's wrong, this is right. Don't do this, but do this. That's what scripture does. And when I don't know scripture, how will I know what is wrong and what is right? Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now get what that just said. God uses scripture to prepare you and to equip you to do what he wants you to do with your life. It's your purpose. God's word is how you know what your purpose is. You learn it from, through scripture. And so Paul says, God uses it, he prepares you, he equips you to do the things he's called you to do with your life. When I don't know scripture, 
I'm a setup and I run a huge risk of missing God's will for my life. Paul reminded Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. God's word was given through men, directed by the Holy Spirit, so that the writings were without error. You know, people, people don't like to read the Bible because of that truth. They, don't, they enjoy what they do so much, they, they don't want to hear anything that would contradict what they want to do. It's kind of like, don't bother me with the facts, I've already made up my mind. Right? You've, you've ever had that attitude? I know you know a lot of people who have that attitude. I've already made up my mind. I don't care what the facts say. In fact, Paul in Philippians 3.13 said this. He, he said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Now, he's saying this near the end of his life. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So my question to you is, are you equipped? Do you know your purpose, and are you equipped to fulfill that purpose? I want to challenge you about God's Word. I want to challenge you to, what's your study plan? Do you have one? Now, you have your favorite verses. Those are the verses you write down and you post everywhere. And we tend to isolate ourselves on our small selection of favorite verses, right? I mean, we tend to focus there. We've got our few verses that we always, our go-to verses. Now, that's good, but if that's all, you're missing a great deal. That's why you need a systematic plan on studying God's Word to get the full knowledge of it, to learn from it. I want to tell you, every time I do a systematic study and I'm reading through a whole book, <clears throat> I'll fall upon a verse that I know, I've read many, many times, but at that particular time in my life, I really needed to hear that verse and God's Spirit just stopped me right there. He said, you know what? This is what I want you to focus on. Now, if I'm not reading God's word, how is that going to happen? So pr I promise you, this is what happens as a believer. You read scripture, and as you read it, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and convicts you and confronts you. And, and you'll reach a verse, and you may have read it many times, and maybe you have forgotten that it's even in the Bible, and you well, wow, I'm reading this in a whole different light now. And this really speaks to what I'm going through. Uh, you know, you heard a testimony on video uh, a few weeks ago of a new believer in our church. And she was saved by reading the Gospel of John. The scripture, it, it equips you to fulfill your purpose in life. So again, I, I want to ask the question I've already asked. 
is it okay with you if God chooses to use you in a specific way for his glory, even if it's hard? Because usually it is. Are you okay with that? Now, I'm not telling you to go look for trouble. I'm not telling you to go look for hard times. Because sometimes we bring on hard times to ourselves just because we're, we act like an idiot. But are you willing to let God orchestrate things in your life for his glory and his purpose? Because your answer to that reveals how you really see God and whether you trust him or not. Your answer to that question reveals very deep truths about yourself. Let's pray.